comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Out Now is a film podcast. Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. However, every now and then we like to have these special bonus episodes, whether it be one of our fun commentaries or something completely different. And this is one of those. This is something completely different. We have an interview. Completely uh, different, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are talking to uh, one of the co-writers of The Signal. It's a, a new uh, sci-fi film that's currently in theaters. Now, um, I definitely recommend you go out and see it, especially because the later half of this interview is probably going to have more spoilery stuff. So we'll be sure to mark that before we get there. But with all that said, all that preamble out of the way, uh, we're talking to one of the co-screenwriters. It is Carlisle Eubank. Cool. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for being on. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, just so, right away, I want to say uh, we uh, we like this movie. That's yeah, <laughs> cool. Yeah. We are we are fans of this film, which is why we're like, hey, we should we should just do. We, we, I, I like I I put up a review and like Abe saw the movie later on, and we yeah, all, we all I, kind of started tweeting it out and everything. And right, yeah, I remember watching the trailer. and I was like, this looks like a really cool trailer. Aaron, you should watch this. <laughs> like, I have never seen that trailer, but I will go see the movie. <laughs> I see. Awesome. Yeah, really. I literally, I just That's saw like awesome. I saw the poster and I had a vague idea what the movie was. I'm like, yeah, I want to see it. <laughs> That's what yeah. I... yeah, it's like a, the movie is like like um, enigma wrapped in an enigma. Like our our movie poster like says very little. <laughs> it does yeah it's like a yet another mystery but but that's kind of that's kind of the way we we wanted it to be you know for better or worse some people really seem to like it and they dig it and other people seem to like hate the fact that they're asking questions as they leave the theater and i always want to say like why is this such a bad thing <laughs> it's definitely not a bad thing i think that one of the best things you can do is just have a film linger in your mind yeah and yeah, yeah. make you think about things uh, that's certainly yeah. something that Aaron and I did afterward. I was just he and I were texting uh, very frequently after I yeah. watched the film. Yeah, cool. Yeah. That's great. I mean, anything that gets you thinking. Often, it's funny. Oftentimes, when I go to movies, sometimes I'll walk out and I'll be like really like mad at the movie, <laughs> and um, and I'll I'll be like, oh, I hated that movie, and then I'll find myself like literally even months later still like thinking about it, uh-huh. and then then that's when I know I actually. It ultimately probably like the movie, you know, anything that makes me think for that long. I, I watched a movie recently, actually, while we were on pre-production for um, The Signal called Upstream Color. Ooh. It was, uh, oh, yeah. It was uh, the guy, uh, Shane Carruth, who did yeah. Primer. Yes. Or Primer. I don't know how you say it. No, Primer. Anyways, yeah, primer. it was like his, it was his long-awaited second film, so we went and watched it in Santa Fe. And I just walked out of there going like, what in the hell did I just watch? Like, it's so crazy. I mean, it was supposed to be crazy, so I guess we knew what we were getting into. But at first, I was just kind of annoyed with it and upset with it. But, you know, months later, I was still thinking about it and, and how cool it was. And ultimately, I came out thinking, that's a cool movie. But it took me a while to get there. And uh, I'm glad I didn't, you know, broadcast my feelings right away yeah. <laughs> in a public way. Because, you know, ultimately, I, I felt very differently about it, you know, months later. I'm in a position where I write about movies on a weekly basis, so I have to I have to kind of broadcast my feelings on a quicker kind of pace. Yeah. But I have oh, this... no, yeah, you have to you have to have those. Yeah. But for sure, I had I had the sure, same I had the sure. very I have a very same reaction to uh to Upstream Color last year, and it was a movie that I I am a fan I'm a much more of a fan of it now than I was when I initially saw it, just because I yeah it's, yeah sometimes yeah you just can't really form an opinion on certain movies right away you really have to let it kind of linger in yeah, your mind yeah total delayed reaction I think like really big thoughts can 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 sort of do that you know they have like a very delayed reaction mm-hmm. which I think is good I mean that's like a real feeling when it takes a little bit of time to like gestate you know yeah but anyways so i'll stop babbling with uh, with that said so where did the um (laughs) where did the story for this film come from 
David and William could talk more to the point of where it came from because they actually created the idea together. I think my brother was finishing up on his previous film called Love. Um, and uh, while that was still kind of being edited, David and William um, came up with just kind of a big idea. And then um, they pulled me aboard and we engineered a, a screenplay kind of around the idea. So we we almost reverse engineered a story around a concept, which actually isn't as unusual as it sounds. I'm making it sound more unusual than it is, but but that's sort of how it happened. They they came up with an idea. I um I was just graduating from college, um, so I was still kind of like trying to figure out what I wanted to do, and I asked if I wanted to help write this thing, and I did, and we did. <laughs> Do you have a um, do you have a background in screenwriting in particular, or just not more? a screenwriting in particular? Actually, no, I have no experience. <laughs> Other than this movie, I have no experience in screenwriting. Um, I, I studied English uh, literature, so mm. um, I guess some of that helps. But actually, a lot of it, you know, was um, trial by fire. <laughs> yeah. Had you ever written any short stories or anything uh, similar just... to this concept in the past? Oh, nothing similar to this concept. No, this was this was um. I had never written anything too science fictiony, even though I really enjoyed reading science science fiction. Um, took a couple of classes in science fiction um, literature, but but I'd never written anything, so this was my first foray into it, and uh, it's a lot of fun to try to sort of I don't know think in terms of like futurist ideas and and uh, and pay homage to like the writers and thinkers that you love, you know. I should note that uh, you'll, we, you mentioned David and William. Uh, William is your brother, who is also William yes. Bank, who also is the director and another co-writer for the the film. And then there's also David, who uh, we will be talking to on another episode, uh, just for the listeners out there. <laughs> cool. So, so yeah. we will, we'll have all aspects of this. But with that said, uh, given that you I, you say you haven't um, written many short stories per se, was there an aspect of why they brought you on to co-write it with them? Were you adding something in particular that they thought you could assist with? Or? I think my brother just knew that that I was like a strong writer in general, you know, even though I'd never really put it into creative writing per se. Um, when when they asked me, you know, they approached me with this idea and I gave them in response like a few ideas of my own. Um, I think that just sort of coupled with the fact that my brother knew I was a strong writer, strong thinker and, and would just pretty quickly figure out how to write screenplay form which isn't it's not the most difficult thing to do at like a rudimentary level i have a lot to learn that's mm -hmm. for sure but but um yeah and Ooh. david's david's a very experienced uh screenwriter um he he's been selling like spec scripts for a long time in hollywood so he's sort of an an old hand at at this stuff so learning from him was definitely beneficial but um i don't know I don't. In the end, I, I hope I added. You know, I hope I was value added. I, I think I was, but <laughs> I mean, we got it done, and and uh, we were pretty proud of our our story. So, so would would you say it was a, like a collaborative process? Were you all in the same area? Oh, were you all in the same room writing, or? Yeah, for the most part, yeah, we we spent a lot of time in the room together for sure, but um, we ultimately kind of came up with a system where we'd sort of sit in the room together and. Um, kind of um, strategize and then we divide the work and then goes write it separately. So there's actually still moments in the script where as writers, we can kind of see like our direct work. Cause like that was our section, but then, you know, we all kind of had a, I don't know. We all had an editorial role to play in each other's writing. So um, yeah, we did it, but we did it all sorts of ways. You know, we'd screen share, we'd sit in the same room, we'd talk on the, you know, we'd have phone conferences like this and, um, cause we all live in different places. So mm. sometimes it's just hard to be in the same room. And sometimes it's not, not even an advantage to be sitting in the same room. Sometimes it's just super important to be alone with your own sort of thoughts, you know, how many iterations <clears throat> of the, of the script did you guys go through? Gosh, I, I, oh man, a lot, a lot. <laughs> Which sounds <laughs> pretty standard, actually, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. You're always, I mean, you're always perfecting your craft and you're always yeah, perfecting the yeah. story. I think that the first, you know, there was like, man, 
there must have been like, gosh, at least six drafts. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, the first draft took maybe like, I don't know, six months to sort of fully put together. Uh, don't quote me on that. I could be total. <laughs> Give or take. Oh, I mean, we'll it get it from take... David. We'll hit the real yeah, story. Yeah, <laughs> David will know. Honestly, that's why I edited myself there because David will know and I don't want to look too stupid. But but it, it wasn't the world's longest period of time because we kind of we took our time and sort of plotting it out. And then, you know, the writing process from there didn't take an extremely long time, but then the editing process took like another year and a half. So, Ah. um, you know, just getting it to a point. I mean, we were still like, we were still editing and fixing the scripts. Like while William was in pre-production, you know, when he was like, we, we already knew we were making the movie, but we were still fixing the script. So I don't know that maybe that sheds a little bit of light on, what, the kind of madness that what, this this movie was at times. What year was it when you came aboard the project? It was hmm, 2011. All right. I want to say 2011. A small film like that. That's a yeah. It's a a quick enough turnaround, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, and I think when my brother pitched the idea to um, our producer Brian Cavanaugh Jones. Who, who really responded to the script and loved it said that we could do it one of two ways. We can, we can chase the money and we could be spending five or six years just trying to find the money to do it, you know, on a $20 million budget or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, there's this sort of quicker method where we micro budget the thing and, and we'll get it made next year. And um, I think the consensus was like, let's just, do this thing let's be creative and my brother obviously having done another small um sort of self-produced science fiction movie i mean he knew how to be creative and so he and i had to and david had to figure out ways to write the script so that we could make things done and doable on a small budget and he my brother and i devised some of the practical effects ourselves um, at my house <laughs> up in San Inez. <laughs> hmm. uh, and I don't know, it's just, that's the madness of, 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 you know, small budget movie making, especially when you have like an appetite uh, and an ambition that my brother has to make small look really big. Yeah. And, and the sort of the dangers of that is it, it sort of shoves your movie into like a different realm of criticism where people are really coming down hard on it and calling it, you know, trying to be too fancy, but, when in reality, a lot of the fancy stuff like slow motion is just to make really like super like Walmart constructed like special effects look bigger than they are. I mean, mm-hmm. this, there are some moments where like, you know, Jonah is kind of hitting the ground right. and, you know, that madness. That's like that's trampolines and cork, you know, that that mm-hmm. I you know bought from Sam's Club and hauled out and dug the holes and just put under you know, like we just put that together ourselves, but then you use slow motion to make it look bigger than it is. And I, I don't know. I, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. I, and you I, speak I on that. And um, I remember watching the film and I, I thought that too. I thought this actually looks like a pretty decent budget, but it seems like you guys were on a shoestring budget. Did you have like a ballpark figure of what your budget was? Yeah, it's like $4 million range, you know. Yeah. I mean, it looks it looked bigger than that because, again, you'd mentioned like the the, uh, the high speed frame shots toward the, the third act. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even when some of these uh, mechanisms that these folks are have on are powering up, that looked awesome. I mean, it just turns all bright red and yeah. they get going. Yeah. Um, so, again, I think that it, you guys did a good job in terms of uh, working your way to make it bigger than it seems. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of – we had to write it that way. I mean, knowing that from, like, a pretty early on stage and, – and that was, again, part of – kind of rewriting and rewriting during pre-production because now we have a better idea of the sort of money we're working with so we have to dial back on on some of the more crazy things that were in earlier drafts of the script and 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 you know simplifying it and making it a little more doable for my my brother you know (laughs) without um without spoiling anything or even without giving away whatever potential future plans there might be was there were there versions? I, apparently, there were versions of the script where there were much bigger things going on, given the possibility of having a larger budget. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely, absolutely. There were there were definitely some things and effects, or or even things that are there that were written <clears throat> much bigger 
um, and and you know a lot more elaborate. You know, a lot more elaborate action sequences and mm-hmm. and um, fight scenes and stuff like that. You know, but you just have to scale it all back and decide sort of what's important. And then even and then a lot of things even just get changed on the day. You know, <laughs> when mm-hmm. when you know the sun is going down and you have 40 minutes to get you know your last shot you just have to you know make executive decisions and whatnot so um yeah just a lot of madness i mean i was out i was on set for the entire shoot just oh, good. helping helping build and helping stage and helping find things and fix things because if we just this has been a passion project of ours for the last four years of our life and and uh we just i wanted to make sure that you know, everything I could, I, I could do everything that I could, you know, to make it as good as, as, as it was going to be. You know? how, how long was the shoot? We had like a, I think it was like a 25 day shoot. Right. Um, so oh, wow. really, yeah. really, really short, very compressed, um, which made for <laughs> a very wild ride. We, um, we shot in on location in, uh, New Mexico, Albuquerque, mm-hmm. and then like a few days on the, uh, on the end in Ohio. Um, but, uh, yeah, just a mad, mad schedule, long days. <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. In terms of casting, how excited were you guys when you guys got some of the names that were built in the film? I mean, were you guys oh, yeah. going after those folks or like <sighs> folks like Lawrence Fishburne <clears throat> and, uh, Lynn Shea from, uh, uh, the, uh, plenty of insidious. Insidious. Yeah. 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 So, Lawrence Fishburne was a huge windfall. Um, as I understand it, he read the script and, and he's a, he's a pretty big fanboy of science fiction is, um, isn't too much of a surprise, but he read the script and thought it was really interesting. He said he couldn't put it down. So he was all in, um, which is, was a huge vote of confidence for us. We, we were all pretty excited about that. And then Lynn Shea was awesome. Oh man. She is the sweetest lady. Uh, I had a lot of good talks with her on set about her character, who she just brought it. She she brought a level of like intensity to her character, level of intensity and depth to her character that, you know, even as a writer, I, I couldn't have imagined. So uh, kudos to her for that. But um, she's worked with our, our producer. The producer of this film is Brian, who also produced the Insidious movies. So ah, okay. he mm, has a good relationship okay. with her. And uh, I guess... You know, he read the part and thought, you know, Lynn would be perfect for it. And he was right. She was absolutely perfect. Yeah, that's a perfect kind of Lynn Shea role. Like, I, I, <laughs> yeah, she's a great character actress. And yeah, that's, that's a great is. kind of role. She's when she's got the interrogation scene going on, I was like, this is, yeah, this is spooky. She does. She plays <laughs> it off very well. With, yeah. um, with Lawrence Fishburne, for that kind of character, that seems like a very type of it seems like the kind of character Lawrence Fishburne would play was that like a <laughs> was that a person that you had in mind or like when you were like kind of visualizing who this person could be played by was that ever was that one of them <laughs> you know when we wrote the character it's funny uh who we the person we actually envisioned was um which is completely not science fiction but um we were thinking actually more of a um uh Javier from No Country for Old Men, wow. Anton okay. Chigurh, yeah. kind of like a, kind of almost an emotionless, um, sort of nihilistic type individual, mm. um, with kind of a, a, almost like a, like a strange voice. Like those were like kind of the big things, and and the person we thought was the most sort of unnerving would have been like an Anton Chigurh, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said. You know, when Lawrence Fishburne um, uh, indicated he was interested, it was like, that's, yeah. I mean, we could totally see it. Like, he would, we knew our that character was in good hands with him. So, um, Was there any yeah. um, restructuring of the script in any way once you had Lawrence Fishburne in mind? Or? No, yeah. no, actually, believe it or not, no. He was he was down with, with the script as it was. And it's pretty incredible because he spent the entire movie in the most uncomfortable, hmm. like, hazmat suit. It was, like, made of canvas, and, like, I think the thing weighed, like, 100 pounds. Oh, wow. He it's, was like a, it's like a Batman in, like, suit. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, a Yeah, he was, like, Batman outside suit. in, like, a 100-degree weather, like, inside the suit. I think it got up to, like, 150 degrees in those oh, things. Boy. I mean, I, it was gnarly, and he was such a good sport, such a good sport. But I will say, those things, 
like we got hit by a ton of sandstorms <laughs> and it was so hilarious because when those things would come up the people like in their hazmat suits were like fine they would just like close <laughs> their masks and be standing there like like juggernauts like they didn't even phase them when the rest of us were running to our cars and <laughs> it was pretty hilarious not only that but you guys you actually got Bre- uh, brenton thwaites who He's going to be in The Giver. He's like up yeah, and he's and having he's a huge, also, uh, he's he's had a, huge in Maleficent. He was yeah, in um, Oculus. Yeah. Oculus. Oculus. Yeah, I liked I liked Oculus quite a bit. I haven't seen it. I really want to see that movie. I've heard good things about it. But um, yeah, Brenton's had a super year. I mean, he's he's like he's uh, he's on the upswing for sure. Um, you know, when we cast him. Um, I guess my brother's experience with casting him, because we had had a lot of people read for the part. Um, my brother just knew he wanted him because my brother was crazy with pre-production and he was a little bit late to their call. And uh, when he got on the phone with Brenton, Brenton was just like the most like easygoing, like easy along with sweet guy. And my brother just knew like, okay, this is the guy I want. Like hmm. he's like, he's i don't know he just knew like the energy was perfect because he knew probably on a subconscious level this movie was going to be nuts and he needed someone who was just going to be like cool with like rolling with the punches and 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 then come day one of shooting you know brenton sitting opposite lawrence fishburne just brought it i mean he was he was amazing like the whole like everyone behind the camera was just like oh my gosh like this kid this kid has chops like He's good. Where am I? I can't move. Can you tell me your name? Nicholas Eastman. I'm Damon. Dr. Wallace Damon. I'm heading up the transition team that's going to help you, you help all of us understand exactly what you've been through. What are you talking about? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, his character, Nick, I, I really um, empathize with his character a lot. And I like the way that you guys had structured it in such a way that there are some flashback sequences to show you that he was like a cross-country athlete. Um, yeah. And you don't really know what happened to him now. I, I'm kind of guessing it's like a it's almost like what Stephen Hawking has. Um, yeah, it's like a MS, like a like just like a muscular. Like early phases, yeah. 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 And then that made it <laughs> all the more you know, devastating as a, as a character. Um, so yeah, for sure. I, I really sure. just enjoyed it. Like, his strength of acting was very well done too. I think that, uh, Aaron and I both liked him uh, as the, as the lead. Yeah, he was awesome. I mean, we couldn't have, we couldn't have picked anyone like better. I mean, he, he brought, he brought it. It was, we were not disappointed <laughs> by any means and, and everything else is, you know, that's happening to him. Super excited for him. It'd be exciting to see where he, where he goes and what he does to uh to make things a little bit less vague for the listeners that might not have seen the signal yet but are for some reason listening to this interview <laughs> i want to describe yeah. i want to somewhat describe the plot not quite going to spoiler territory yet but sure sure yeah the um so the the movie it, it revolves around these these three college age kids we have we have nick played by brenton plates jonah and uh played by, what's, sorry what's jonah what's the actor uh bo bo, bo, nap. bo, bo nap. nap and yeah. um yeah. and um Haley played by olivia cook and they're on they're on this kind of road trip, and they're at least uh, Nick and Jonah. They're um, they're kind of what they're computer. They're they're from MIT, right? They have computer uh, scientists, the computer engineers. Science, they're yeah. having like a hacking. They kind of have a hacking sort of events, competition, yeah. sort of a hacking feud. Yeah, with another. Yeah, they just have like a half like a hacking sort of like feud going with with this guy who broke into their school servers and then put the hack on them and almost got them expelled. Mm-hmm. Like just sort of goading them, you know. Yeah. So and, they have like this beef with this guy. Yes, and it, the the story they try to track him down, and the story goes from there, which I won't get into too much. But I do want I'll I'm going to use some vague terms here. But the way I saw the film, it kind of was divided into three distinct parts. You had kind of this road trip beginning aspect. Mm-hmm. Then you have this middle portion that's involving involved in kind of quarantine zone with Lawrence Fishburne's yeah, character. Captivity. Yeah. Captivity. Captivity. Yeah. And then the 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 final third is more of a kind of a <clears throat> You're set on kind of a highway. Um, yeah, yeah, like a chase film, or but but with like David Lynch a- elements. <laughs> yes, for, for sure. Oh yes, for sure. Was there kind of a was there a conscious effort to to write the film in these kind oh, of three distinct you, you parts? You broke it down. Yeah, yeah, you nailed it. 
I mean, in, for better or worse, some people seem to really, like I, like I said before, you know, people see, either seem to really respond to that or or they, they find it disjointed and hard to, to hang together. But that's sort of kind of why it's billed as a genre-bending film, because we, we start with this kind of young love indie road film, and then it becomes something totally different, and then it becomes something totally different again. Um, which all is extremely intentional, you know, I mean, we didn't, the movie feels like it, it sort of runs away with itself, but it's, it's totally deliberate, you know, we, we deliberately sort of ramp up the action as it proceeds. That's certainly kind of how it feels. You have the, you, I mean, you have these characters that get in and over their head to an extent, and mm -hmm. there's just some really big changes that occur in the eye, then it just kind of has this kind of gradual build, um, and and I really like that. I like that, and I like that it kind of messes with you. I like that the mm -hmm. um, I, I like that aspect of it too. Actually, there, there's kind of a way the film reveals different layers as to what exactly is going <laughs> yeah. on because there's a lot of mystery. Yeah. There's a ton of I mean, even like <laughs> just saying the signal that's the mystery right there. It's like I don't know what <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I know, I know. Was I know. it um? Were you when you guys were kind of developing the story? Did you already have kind of an end in sight on it? Or oh what? yeah, yeah. The end was like our the first thing we knew. <laughs> you know, we we started with our ending in many ways um, as writers, and then um, and then it was a matter of of deciding where we wanted to start it, and then um, we had a vague kind of idea. I mean, this is really our early on. We had a vague idea of where we wanted a good meat of the film to be and then it's just connecting the dots you know in, in, in you know, <laughs> it's oversimplifying the process but that's basically kind of how how it um evolved i have a couple more <laughs> points i want to say before we get into kind of a more spoilery sure. aspect of it um you, you kind of described this already but were you in writing the film were you in, were you guys writing to the more visual effect heavy sequences was there like how how that would kind of end up playing out was that a part of the, the writing process definitely definitely part of the process um um my brother who co-wrote the film and directed it um especially because he already had a lot of ideas about what he wanted things to look like and and how he wanted them to work and he has a background in the sort of thing as well and he yeah he's very he's a very visual director because he He's done a lot of cinematography. Mm -hmm. um, so we were definitely at times writing to that, you know, trying to trying to get the story to that visual moment, you know. Um, but always, obviously, always the visual moments are, are not sort of like empty, stylish moments as some people have wanted to think they are. They're all very, to us, very emblematic of, of the larger sort of dichotomy of the movie, which is this this sort of struggle this kid's having between you know his his sort of failing physical systems and and his like mind and which is he going to rely on you know mm -hmm. his like his brute strength or his his emotional or, or his like logical rational self um and so a lot of the very ballistic visual moments are are those like emotional sort of releases that these characters have like had pent up for a long time if that makes any sense if that sheds any light on anything oh it does yeah i mean it's, it, that's actually one of the things i enjoyed a lot too which is you know it does take you through that that stewing process of you're getting to know these characters you're really starting to to understand that they're very frustrated so you start feeling their frustrations out on the screen mm -hmm. um and then you have the the action pieces, and it's not just like a quick and dirty. It's kind of like they're actually prolonged, and they all have their own set pieces. And yeah, I, I found that absolutely. immensely enjoyable and satisfying because it was <laughs> exactly Thank you. like the amount of action that I, I would have wanted to see. There was some emotional uh, yeah. weight put to it, just based on what these yeah. characters have gone through yeah. that seemed to come through. Yeah, for sure. How about the uh, the music? Were you guys involved in that process at all, or? My brother was very involved with that, but um, that was uh, Nima. Oh man, Fakara. Fakara. Yeah, Fakara. Yeah, Nima Fakara. Um, but so my brother spent a lot of time in his studio with him, and they would just hash out ideas, and you know they would put temp music in, and then you know Nima would 
get sort of the uh, emotional, um, you know, he would sort of decide what the emotional quality of the, of the temp music is, and then try to sort of recreate it in an, in sort of an original way. Um, so yeah, the, the soundtrack and the music was very, um, there was a very hands-on process um, on my brother's part, which I have since uh, bought there. because I really like the soundtrack for this film. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool soundtrack. Yeah. I, I, Nima Nima's a super cool guy. Um, was so so excited about the movie, and uh, he put his heart and soul into it. And the soundtrack is really good. I mean, it's it's really cool. It's uh, but, um, it's good to write to. I like I like writing to a lot of uh, yeah, atmospheric scores, yeah. and that's a good one. He was brought up in uh, I think he was in Hans Zimmer's camp, so oh, okay. he's, de- he's definitely he's a top notch guy, but he does his own thing now. Um, so uh, I I hope to see him doing um, bigger and better things from here on. You know, and just in turn before we get to the spoiler parts, um, sure. When you guys were uh, sending these out to film festivals and whatever else, how excited were you when you guys were getting responses like, hey, like it's been accepted and we really want you guys to come to, to yeah. out everybody. Well, the big, the big one, you know, obviously was Sundance. I mean, mm-hmm. it's been, it's that, that has been like a major goal of, of my brother as a filmmaker um, to get a project into Sundance. So that in and of itself was like, you know, we, we could have been satisfied right there. Um, and we were, I mean, it just was an awesome process and, and, we knew some of these things were a long shot. So when you get Sundance, it's almost hard to, to sort of, I don't know, <laughs> understand <laughs> that because it's a big deal. I mean, it, it feels like such a big deal and it, and it is a big deal, but um, ultimately you just, you, you just want people to, to see it and enjoy it. You know, the festivals are awesome for, for exposure and, <clears throat> and bragging rights and all that. But ultimately your goal as a writer and filmmaker is just to create something that, that will, you know, speak to people and touch people, inspire people and hopefully not anger people, but (laughs) yeah. All right. So let's, um, let's move into more kind of a spoilery area for anyone that, you know, hasn't seen the signal yet, or, you know, Mm -hmm. wants to kind of preserve certain surprises. uh, I'd say I'd I'd advise you to kind of stop this podcast at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go see the movie. Yeah. Go see the signal. Yeah, That's what you should movie. be doing. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a really interesting film that I think deserves to be seen. Um, so we'll, we can pause for a second. Abe can insert some kind of crazy sound or something. That would be amazing. <laughs> okay, some more spoilery-centric questions now. Uh, first off, when kind of developing this story, was there any other kind of media or films or books that you were kind of thinking of and like keeping in mind when kind of developing the story? Um, I think my brother, my, a lot of, a lot, especially since it was, um, my brother and David's concepts, but we, we definitely expounded and built on them, but, um, major sort of concepts we were, we were playing with were the idea of like singularity Mm. and, and a lot of that actually is, is built into the backstory of the film, which really doesn't actually come through in the story. It was more of like a if we God willing had a opportunity to do a second film, we would have gone into like, who are these people that have abducted Nick and Jonah and Haley and, and why are they so interested in them? But, but um, so sort of reading a lot of like uh, Michu Kaku and, and these other sort of futurist um, thinkers um, uh, who, who even, um, Oh gosh, what's his name? Can't think of his name. Anyways, but just thinking about like the intersection between our emotions as humans and our increased dependency on uh, on technology, you know, which in and of itself is this dichotomy of 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 logic versus emotion, mm-hmm. and and the idea that if we evolved enough. And in, and in a direction where we depend more and more on technology, would we eventually phase out the need for emotion because we'd be purely rational creatures? Um, and and then based on that, if something were to evolve so far that it completely was removed from its emotional ancestry, would it ever decide it, it was in its best interest to go explore 
what it lost, you know, to go back to planet Earth and 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 look at the creatures that they put there, you know, <laughs> and and see, you know, what this emotional thing is all about. Is it worth looking into anymore? Is it worth um, sort of reprogramming back into themselves? Right. And you touched upon this too, Carla, just very briefly. The the three main leads are abducted by uh, alien life forms. And what's cool is the reveal is uh, when you think about it afterward, the, the line question that Lawrence Fishburne asked Nick, um, that's actually a really cool thing to think about after the fact, knowing that they are the aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, well, we're not sure what we're dealing with here. It's like, oh, I see. Interesting. You guys are studying yeah. the humans and yeah. uh, getting a better sense of yeah. what's out there. Um, so uh, once you once you have that reveal, that I think that the writing becomes very very clever. Yeah, and that's you know it's funny because the 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 story is riddled with double talk. Like when Fishburne asks, like, um, and you have to ask yourself, did I find what I was looking for? Like it's a double edged question. I mean, that's Damon as a scientist on behalf of the aliens asking, did he find what he was looking for? Because He's been long since searching for someone who could successfully integrate their technology with, uh, you know, an emotional sort of undercarriage, if you know what I mean. Right. Because it's sort of it was it was his task as like the head of this outdated bureaucratic, you know, like underling bureaucratic. Yeah, everything that Nick describes. Yeah. You know, it was his task to find someone who could handle their technology you know in their bodies and so um yeah it's the whole thing is riddled with double double talk like damon as human scientist and damon as alien who's genuinely interested in learning more about these characters as a species not just as an abducted uh possibly infected um person so it was very difficult to engineer that and sometimes you know, even watching it myself, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'd tweak that a little bit mm-hmm. or, you know, I'd change that a little bit. But for the most part, we we dial that in and, and most things are double edged, um, which is tough, <laughs> a very tough task um, to accomplish. In, um, in, in many ways, this film kind of feels like an origin story for mm-hmm. some kind of, you know, like a like a superhero, for instance, because we have, yeah, you know, we obviously is, have. Yeah. yeah, we have Nick, who is. You know, it mechanically enhanced, and suddenly he can do things that he was far not be able to do before. Was it, yeah. was it, was it thought about in that way? Oh, sure. I mean, we have like this. We have a lot. We we had a lot, and still have a lot of big ideas about kind of where they go and what mm-hmm. they do and and what their sort of purpose is. Um, but you know, those we'll save for a rainy day <laughs> if <laughs> there's enough. ever an avenue for them. Would um. Would it be fair to say there's some ambiguity over whether or not Jonah is dead? We saw just kind of a big. Yo, there's cloud. definitely ambiguity. Definitely mm-hmm. ambiguity. Okay. You know, on an alien planet, a lot of things are sort of ambiguous. <laughs> right. <laughs> what happens to people and 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 what they're made of anymore? And yeah, definitely ambiguous. And I guess along the same lines, which I'm sure is probably more of an ambiguous statement, we have you know, Jonah. <laughs> Jonah has ground pounding abilities. <laughs> yeah. Nick, Nick exactly. has super legs. Was we kind of saw that Haley has been involved with something, but we didn't see yeah, she any, any yeah. kind of enhancement. Was there? Is, yeah, hers is definitely hers is like more of like a spinal nervous <laughs> enhancement, which would have been a lot of fun to get into. But again, it's like you know you have to write to your budget. You know, yeah, we're we talking uh, like Jean Grey territory. We were. Uh, it was going to be pretty. I mean, pretty, pretty, pretty wild stuff. Pretty well, okay. so that's all I'll say. But that's fair. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. we did. We definitely, we definitely had them all sort of, kind of, equipped. I'll say, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and and had we had the opportunity in this one to explore hers, we would have. But we really had to sort of confine it and leave hers more of a mystery, um, which is still it has merit, I think, to leave it kind of a mystery because you're wondering like, well, what's her power? You know. Exactly. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, we just you know this. The story we were dealing with couldn't have necessarily handled like another explosive <laughs> um, power. Yeah, it would have felt this especially on the magnitude like that hers is. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite scenes is actually um, 
when Nick is just powering up and mm-hmm. he starts running and then he just he goes supersonic and it's like mm-hmm. this is this is amazing this is yeah this is like one of the coolest things I've ever seen oh yeah it was fun right it's fun writing that stuff because you can just sort of say whatever you want because <laughs> ultimately you know what, just, what was that line what did uh, that, what that line look like, like he runs really fast. Yeah, yeah, it was basically that. It was like, choo! <laughs> it was just noises. <laughs> choo, 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 choo. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? It, but it is funny because you kind of, especially the first time you write it, you're like trying to amp it up and make it sound intense. And, you know, it's sort of like he looks to his left and he sees he's running faster than a fucking bullet or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which... I think originally we had planned for him to look and see like a bullet literally kind of like at zero velocity next to him because they're moving at the same speed. But, um, but you know, (laughs) that's another constraint. So we just, you know, opted for a zoom and a, you know, blast off. I kind of saw a hint because you know you have the kind of the guy shooting at him, and I was kind of thinking, huh? Yeah, I wonder if those. Yeah. I was kind of waiting yeah, to see if there was a yeah. chance to get bullets yeah. like in the That's frame. That's as close as we could get to the uh, mm-hmm. this script, which I think made it made it very interesting for you to imagine. Like this guy's running so fast that the bullet can't even sign him. Yeah, touch him. Like yeah. he's just yeah. super super sonic. One of the things that I liked about it, the the viewing actually is uh, my theater. There was probably like six people in my theater. Yeah, and again, Aaron and I were, were surprised that it was playing because it, it uh, not as much uh, marketing efforts per se. Um, but I know it's just it's a small it's a small about... kind of film, and you're, I I saw it in a, in my giant multiplex. Yeah, movie, same so. here. Yeah, yeah, I saw it was I playing know. in like it's, four theaters around me, which was very it's happy. Tough. About. Originally, they were only going to put it in five theaters <clears throat> the first weekend. Mm-hmm. It was going to be one of those things like L.A. and New York only, and then the the trailer kind of went. I don't know if I can say it went viral, but it definitely Caught was on. getting a lot of hits yeah. and a lot of a lot of talk. And so um, the distributor was like, "Oh, maybe we should um, try to push it to 120." But I don't know that their sort of marketing strategy changed, even though they were pushing it to more theaters. Mm. I, I mean, I can't really speak for them, but it's, from my perspective, that's sort of what happened. Was it was going to go to bigger markets more theaters but without sort of all of the the press you need behind it to to let people know i, I think that one of the biggest issues is no one really knew it was out um, yeah yeah but you know whatever i mean is as long as people are going to see it and enjoying it that's all that matters it, yeah they enjoyed they did because uh, <clears throat> what i was gonna say is there was the moment where Haley gets picked up in this guy the guy in front of me is just like what the yeah, <laughs> and yeah. that's when you know people are invested. And then later, yeah. when when uh, Jonah's doing the ground pound, like Aaron calls it, um, there's this woman that just gasps. She's just yeah. like, <gasps> and I was like, this is awesome. This is exactly probably yeah. filmmakers are going all for. Like, man, this is exactly the low, lo-fi, lo-fi effects, man. Super lo-fi effects. Like the the abduction pole was like this decision. We 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 were sitting there talking my brother and I and the stunt guy and, and a few other people. Um, and it was like, you know, in the script, there was like kind of an elaborate abduction scene, kind of what you might picture in an abduction scene. And then again, budget struck and, and, and it just became clear that the scarier, more intense option was like the more like low budget option, you know, just like someone getting yanked up, into darkness is way scarier you know yeah and uh yeah i still think that it looks pretty cool i and then, agree yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty fun i always enjoy that moment because that's sort of where this like i don't know this emotionally charged indie road trip just kind of like blasts off so to speak right and uh it's always exciting to me to watch it sort of get bent there because you're starting to venture into territory where you're like, oh, God, these two kids are just like, yeah, I don't know. You, you care about them, but it's also like they're just kids doing like kid emotional stuff. And, and it's just so satisfying to get it like pushed into new territory all of a sudden. I don't know. I think it's fun. 
<laughs> it is. I mean, because it is a you know, it is a mixing of different genres, and it takes a decidedly yeah. different turn. And the you know, that go basically just jumps right into the second act there as you get into the kind yeah. of closed yeah, exactly. off section. Yeah, um, very distinct cut. Just a uh, just a couple more questions here. Um, sure. What do you think would happen if Nick and Jonah never went out to uh, seek Nomad? You ever think about that? Where these characters could have gone? Yeah, there's that I mean, point where Haley says, like, hey, like, like, let's not do this. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. To me, <clears throat> it, it's like, it was sort of an inevitability. And I think that it's, it's like from, like, say, Nomad's perspective, like, he's been, <clears throat> he's been looking for someone. He's been looking for someone for a long time to sort of heed the call, you know, and, and, you know, once you get to their world, you realize they've been abducting like crazy people for a long time, which if you've ever met someone who's been abducted, you're always kind of like, why did aliens abduct this guy? Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. wouldn't they want someone who could like, like use a computer or like, you know, speak intelligently about human technology and mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So it's sort of like Nomad is like, okay, we've got to up our game. We've got to like pick people who are are going to like respond to our our beckoning and in this case it took the form of like kind of like a hacking pissing contest if mm -hmm. you will to be kind of crude and and so it was sort of inevitable that like nick would heed the call because you know he's got so much riding on it beyond just like kind of like proving himself as a hacker it's also like him sort of proving himself to himself because his body is failing and so he can't rely on all the things he used to identify with like running and and just being a normal person so he's slowly receding into the world of the mind you know and so now when his intelligence is insulted like he's going to go all in so to me it's like inevitable like and those are the kinds of characters you want to write the ones who are inevitably going to end up in this situation mm. you know it's sort of like a destiny almost a legacy kind of situation like this is nick's legacy this is his destiny <clears throat> and uh with that um what do you guys have anything uh planned next in terms of future films or do you want to do you want to continue sure. writing for oh yeah sure I, i've got like three or four different um projects in various stages of development i'll say i mean it's it's pretty vague with your with uh, your brother still or yeah yeah definitely i have a, a a bigger project with my brother and david actually um about um super deep mining in south africa gold mm. mining yeah. um but it's 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 also a fantasy film so it's it's kind of another genre bending type movie where it starts as a mine rescue film and then ventures into much darker territory and uh, and then I, I actually have another project in development um, with my wife, um, who's also a writer, hmm. and it's a it's more of a um, like drama dramatic horror film set in Central Valley of California. Oh, really? Yeah. Where I'm uh, born. Oh, so yeah, it's a true. Yeah. It's based on a true story. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should talk. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you everything you need to know about Fresno. <laughs> yeah, it's actually it's it's uh, set up in Merced, just okay. outside of the Merced. scariest yeah. of Central yeah. California cities. Yeah, like twenty minutes away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, just things here and there, and just keep poking along, trying to get them better and make them as as um, good as you can. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely going to keep writing and. And uh, try to make better and better films. You know. Cool. Well, I I hope everything you know works out well enough, and I hope that more people go out and see the signal because it is yeah, I do many too. theaters now, and it deserves to be seen. And you know, who knows if enough people see oh, it, well, it uh, could go on to have more yeah. Si yeah. signals. The yeah. obvious simple title. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and well, Carl, spread the, so spread get the word, man. I mean, you guys are awesome, and I, I can't thank you enough for right. for for spreading good vibes about it. It's thank just you. super cool. For sure. And Carl, Super cool. people get to know you a little bit better. Uh, what are some movies that you like, and what are some movies that you would recommend people go see, like right now? Oh, right now, gosh, I'm like kind of like right now movie illiterate. Um, <laughs> let's see, like, what was the last movie I saw? Oh, it's embarrassing. It's like one of those questions where you always forget when people ask. But 
my favorite movies are are actually like not very science fictiony. I'll I'll just admit it. Um, I love Hitchcock. I I love his sensibilities. Because um, one thing I love about Hitchcock is he's like he's very mysterious, but he also just like gives you answers at unexpected times. And you're just sort of like, oh, I thought that was sort of the ultimate mystery. And then you realize, like, there's a bigger mystery yet, you know, and uh, I love that. And always trying to figure out how he does that, you know. Um, So anything about Hitchcock, you know, uh, North by Northwest or uh, Strangers on a Train. But um, more contemporary movies, relatively, um, I love There Will Be Blood. (laughs) Yes. Um, Any movie that, like pays homage to like silent filmmaking in like an era when like oversaturation of like cg and all that is just like but but does it and still captivates people just like that to me is a great movie and the first like 25 minutes of there will be blood i there's like hardly any talking and i think that's amazing to tell story without words is just i mean that's like the number one principle of storytelling a show don't tell you know so um I don't know. Crazy films like that. I love the movie Amadeus. Um, It's one of my favorite movies. Um, But I don't know. I'm trying to think like really hard right now. Ah, no worries. (laughs) So I don't sound like like out out of fashion or something. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You have some pretty recent and very good movies that you've just called out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyhow, if I had a week where I was watching movies and I was like, what am I going to watch this week? Well, I got Amadeus and there will be blood there. I'd be pretty happy with that week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I actually watch a lot of like net, you know, t- television shows right now. So mm. like, I love like Game of Thrones, obviously, and um, I'll admit, like, one of my guilty pleasures is Downton Abbey. So elegant. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. Very cool. Well, um, wh- Carla, where can people find more of your work? Do you have a website or anything? Or I do not have a website. I have like almost no web presence. How about Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> I do have a Twitter. Um, I am. Uh, God, what am I? I think I'm like Carlisle Eubank, but C A R L Y L E and then underscore B A N K. Oh, no, just, oh okay, okay. Like I just like I just add the E, the last E in my first name and the first E in my last name. Okay. Just put them together. We'll be sure to put it on the show notes yeah, we'll, for this episode. Yeah, we'll sure, this. yeah. But uh, Carlisle, uh, you've been very generous with your time. We thank you very much oh, for talking man, with thank us. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure, honestly. I mean, thank you so much for for um supporting our film and and telling people about it and where i'm glad that you got something out of it in a positive way for, for sure I, mean, I, hope, I, hope, I hope i hope to see more work from you guys in the future because i'm i cool. i like i like seeing uh you know new and interesting voices in the world of film so. awesome awesome well thanks so much guys great thank you thank you all right Bye. talk to you later